think it's fascinating that I have been eating meat now for almost a year. And I have never felt even the idea to record this podcast until now. And I think that's interesting. I did last summer, I did do a podcast about my healing journey. And that does talk about, you know, me incorporating animal products again. But this is going to be solely dedicated to how in the world was I vegan for 10 or 11 years and then I changed my mind. How does that happen? For me, I think the coolest part of this story is that my husband was paleo for the whole time I was vegan. He never tried to change me. He never forced his beliefs on me. He never, ever, ever tried to educate me hardly. Like, Yet at the same time, I was trying to make him vegan for 11 years. I was judging him so hard for 11 years. I was always trying to convert him. And he never, ever tried to change me. Ever. And I changed my mind, not even because of him. I started learning things on Instagram that were opening my mind. But the most interesting part is that I personally don't feel like I had control over my mind being opened. Because I had a very, very, very closed mind for those 11 years. Maybe 10 of those years. My mind was so closed and I would have conversations with people and they're like, well, what if you have to eat animal products to get pregnant? And I'm like, no, that doesn't even make sense. I would never eat an animal product to get pregnant. Um, it, like I would shut it down. It, would, it made no sense to me. I had a very closed mind for 10 years and I personally don't feel like I opened my own mind. I feel like it just opened. It opened on its own. It opened perhaps from the universe or God or the divine saying, hey, you know, now it's time to shift because it's very easy for me to look back on my last 10 years and feel like I hurt my body through a vegan diet because there are there are a few vitamins like vitamin K2 or vitamin A that are very hard to get from a vegan diet and they're very very important vitamins for the body but especially for fertility so I do have a hard time not that much of a hard time but I feel bad that I did that to my body for 10 years but also at the same time I believe that everything is for us and I needed to be vegan for my self-growth to learning to learning my ego because veganism is so dogmatic it's like a religion it's steeped in your ego the mind saying I'm right and you're wrong and I am a good person because I do this I care about animals. I care about the planet. I am so good. We have this huge, intense need to be good because our entire childhood is drilled into us to be good and not to be bad. So these are some of the things I'm going to talk about. But first, let's just say my story very quickly. It was in 2010. I was graduating college. I was kind of feeling heavy and more bloated 
after a like a two week vacation that I had. And around that time, I watched a documentary. I hold on. I always screw up that word. Documentary, documentary, documentary. This is a word I always screw up. I am a convert from a documentary. Cowspiracy. That it came out in around 2010. I watched this one documentary and I was converted. That's how quickly I was converted. And now I have the perspective that every documentary has an agenda. It is being made for a specific purpose. So there's a documentary on Bill Gates. The purpose is to show how good of a human he is because in reality, he's so evil. So that if you watch that documentary, you are going to leave watching that and say, oh my gosh, he is such a good person. That's the point. That is the point. There is a specific purpose and agenda of all documentaries. Pro this, anti this, pro that, anti that. There is an agenda and there's a purpose. So if you could watch a documentary with that knowing like, oh, they are, you know, they will skew all of this data, the perspectives, that's, that's the point. So I watched Cowspiracy and it lit my brain up. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, like cows are killing the planet and I need to save the planet. So I am going to cut out all animal products. And at that time, I was becoming a lot more spiritual. And so there was a huge piece of the animal suffering. Like, why do we eat a cow and not a dog? So there's so much programming in it. So that's kind of where it all began. And then it just kind of snowballed into what I call a religion. My beliefs got deeper and deeper and deeper. And I got more convicted of my conviction grew that this is the right way. This is the good way. Everybody needs to be like this. Everyone needs to be like me. That's what a religion is. No matter, you know, what religion you belong to, it's this is the right way. Everyone else is wrong and everyone needs to change and be like me. They need to change and believe in this way. And I think it's very intriguing because I was raised in a religion, a Christian denomination religion. So I learned a very set, a a set of rules. This is right. This is wrong. Black and white thinking. That's dogma. Black, white thinking. There is no shades of gray. This is the set of rules you have to live by. And if you don't live by these rules, you are bad. You have to live by these rules to be good. So it's so interesting that I left Christianity and then felt comfortable. It felt like a home joining veganism. This is the set of rules to be good. And if you don't follow these rules, you are bad. The set of rules is, you know, not partaking in animals suffering. So not eating milk, not eating butter, no animal meat, no eggs. It's a set of rules. And to be good, you have to listen to these set of rules. And that is most religions. So it's so interesting to look back and to see that my brain felt at home with this black and white thinking of veganism. 
this set of rules. So then I went along my merry way for 10 years, um, not really eating eggs, butter, milk, meat. I would have, you know, cheese or butter here or there, but I don't think I really ate meat in 10, 11 years. So I was living my life thinking everyone needs to be like me. I was, you know, the number one vegan activism you know, save the planet, save animals, don't cause suffering. I was that person for 10 years. And it's, to me, it's just kind of like being a Christian and going out on the sidewalk and saying, have you accepted Jesus into your heart? Be like me, accept Jesus in your heart like me. That's what veganism is. It's, it's the ego's need to be right and to change people and convert people. And so that's what I did for 10 years. All the while, my husband was paleo, and he never tried to change me. He was the most amazing example of acceptance. He never tried to change me. Like, he's like this little Buddha that is just like far beyond me because he's not ruled by this ego need of being right and changing people. It's quite amazing. So things started shifting for me about a year ago, maybe actually in 2020. So I feel like the first little seed of doubt in my religion of veganism that happened was I realized, you know, this was during the pandemic and obviously I don't trust the news in any capacity, in any way. So then I started facing the fact that If the news is saying that veganism is good and veganism will save the planet and everybody needs to be vegan, that might be wrong (laughs) because I don't believe anything the media says. So if Bill Gates is investing so much money into fake meat, lab-made meat, human-made meat, I don't stand for anything Bill Gates does or says. So I had to question, is this right? If the media is saying be vegan, how could that be? It it was a big conflict and I had to face that. I feel like the next seed of doubt that happened was I started following this woman named Freya Collette. I think that's how you say her name. And she's just a badass. Her uh, Instagram profile says dangerous woman. Because she is so fiery, so amazing, so authentically her. When she shows up on Instagram, she is so authentically her that she liberates you to be more authentic. It's truly amazing. So she had these Instagram stories or talks or whatever about how she used to be vegan. Like she did the whole, I'm going to be vegan, I'm going to save the planet. And then she realized and and faced the actual reality that vegans have blood on their hands because when a forest is demolished for the monocropping of soy for example hundreds of chipmunks die hundreds of birds die hundreds or thousands of animals or critters die When a forest is taken down, animals are displaced. Trees die for your soy products. 
So if you buy soy products, chipmunks died for your soy products. Animals died. And it's just facing that reality that vegans are not higher than, better than, because animals still died, critters still died for those, those soy products, for the monocropping, for the clearing of the, the forests were cleared for these monocropping plants. And if you buy these products, corn, soy, wheat, all the things, you have blood on your hands and it's facing that reality that you are not better than. We all have blood on our hands. So this perspective, let me step off of my pedestal, off of my high horse and say, that's right. My ego like was humbled. But the other piece of it is that life and death is nature's cycle. A lion kills. Whales kill. Nature is birth and death, birth and death. And to think that our morality could improve on nature and say, no, nothing has to die, it's actually laughable. Nature is perfect. Nature is constant death and rebirth. We cannot change nature, or if we try, that is the fall of our humanity. Nature's laws, nature's rules, is that death is required for life. This is nature. This is how nature is and it is, will always be, and this is how it was created, and we are nature. And it doesn't mean that you senselessly kill or you senselessly cause suffering. But I completely shifted that, oh, animals, you can view animals as these reverent healers that their bodies give life to us. And it actually brings tears to my eyes because I feel that so deeply. That animals are healers and that they give their life to give us life. And there's, there's a reverence in that. So we can have this utmost respect because of their service to us. It's beautiful. It's amazing. So my mind shifted and changed a lot. And for some of it, I didn't even feel in control of my mind changing. It was just suddenly open to these new ideas, these new perspectives. And I think it's so interesting because none of it had to do with my husband. Like, he was probably so happy that my mind was opening to the fact that, you know, animals are here for us. Um... But I had to hear all this information by like random Instagram people. And I just find that so interesting that we don't really listen to the people closest to us. And I don't know why. You know, why do we, why do we tune out like our partner and what they have to say? Like, why don't we respect their views and their opinions? I don't know. It's like we need someone we don't know to say something 
for us to actually listen. And it seems to be the case. It seems so universal for so many people. I don't know why. It just is. So my mind was suddenly opened and now I'm like shifting everything I think and believe and I'm like, whoa. So then I start eating animal products. I just like dive right in. (laughs) I just dove right in. It wasn't hard for me. I just started doing all the things. I started eating steak, chicken, turkey bacon, eggs, cheese, I'm just now drinking raw milk and that took me a little bit longer just because I didn't really have the desire, but maybe I actually wasn't educated. I feel like I've been re-educating myself about the nutrient-dense minerals and vitamins in animal products that I have been withholding from my body for 11 years. And so now I feel like I am storing up my body with everything that has been missing out on for 11 years and the biggest realization that I've had is that I feel so incredibly grateful and protected by God that I never had a vegan pregnancy or postpartum because I have heard so many stories about vegan pregnancies and vegan placentas and the teeth of vegan children just crumbling because of the lack of vitamin K2. Um, So if I had a vegan pregnancy, vegan postpartum, and then my mind changed, I would be carrying so much guilt. Guilt that I did that to my child, that my child is forever changed because of my beliefs and that I did not give them the proper nutrients to have the best healthy life. I would have had so much shame and guilt if I had a child prior to eating animal products. I am so grateful. I feel so protected by God that that never happened. And I will just say that I do not believe I have not gotten pregnant because of diet or veganism. I don't really think my fertility has anything to do with my body because all signs point to my fertility. I think it has everything to do with the soul of my baby not being ready, waiting for a perfect time. There's other things involved. I personally don't believe it is my body because I watch my fertility signs every single month and it's amazing. But at the same, in the same breath, I recognize that the way I was eating wasn't helping my case. It wasn't helping the quality of my eggs. So I am so grateful that I've had this time to rebalance my body and feed it all of these nutrient-dense foods that I have been withholding from it for 10 years. I'm so happy about this moment in my life that I get to refeed my body the way it needs to be fed. The biggest thing I've learned from Instagram, but especially this book called The Fifth Vital Sign, it is the best book for a woman that wants to understand her cycles, how to eat for her cycle, 
you know, that PMS is not normal, if you have PMS, there's a deeper issue going on. If you want to learn how to track your, your ovulation, whether you want to get pregnant or avoid pregnancy, if you want to learn the non-hormonal birth control method called fertility awareness method, this book called The Fifth Vital Sign, or the podcast called Fertility Friday, it's by the same woman, her name is Lisa, this book is so good. This is my favorite book about fertility, about cycles, about how to eat for the female body. She breaks it down so amazing how blood sugar affects your hormones. Why, you know, vitamin A is so essential for fertility. So vitamin A is the vitamin that I was very much not getting much from my from my diet when I was vegan because vitamin A is so important for male fertility and female fertility and it is found in a very high amount in beef liver in organ meat but also cod liver oil so these are some of the foods that i am now eating so i'm getting a lot of vitamin a finally so my beliefs have changed even about multivitamins for example i used to take man-made multivitamins which are made in a lab, you know, which with with zinc added, with vitamin B added, all these things, it's a man-made pill in a lab. And to me now, it just doesn't make sense. Like, how could the body take this man-made pill and assimilate it to the best it can when it's man-made versus taking organ pills or liver pills or eating them however you want but a multivitamin in the form of beef liver makes so much more sense to me because it is from nature made in nature it is not man-made so my mind shift has completely changed to if it's from nature so getting rid of foods with ingredient lists Like, I cannot believe that I would drink almond milk or oat milk or any of these milks or vegan butter with, like, five seed oils, like sunflower oil or canola oil or all of these oils that inflame the body. I cannot believe that I used to think that vegan butter with these seed oils, this butter made in a lab that's man-made, is better for my body than butter with one ingredient cream from nature this is this is the big shift of my mind is if it's man-made if it's in a lab i'm going to question it and i'm going to critically think about this so raw milk there is one ingredient in raw milk raw milk it's from nature it's a gift to us It has probiotics. It has so many vitamins. It has the enzymes needed to digest the milk. To me, it's the perfect snack. It's the perfect food. It is a complete protein. Like, I actually just drink glasses of raw milk now because to me, it's the most perfect snack. And I cannot even believe I am saying this because 
when I was a child, I was allergic to dairy. I would have ice cream and then get an earache. Um, and my allergies to dairy actually put my mom on a natural, uh, holistic health path. So my allergies were like a huge catalyst to her self-growth, which actually is so common for children's allergies. But I do wonder if I, when I was a child, if I drank raw milk, if I would have reacted like that. Because milk in the store is pasteurized. It's heated at a high level that kills the enzymes needed to digest it. That's why people are lactose intolerant. It kills the probiotics. It kills a lot of the vitamins that actually make the milk nutrient dense. So store-bought milk that's heated, that's pasteurized, that's not raw, is kind of lacking all of the nutrients, the whole point of drinking milk. And what's crazy is that some states do not allow the selling of raw milk. They block the selling of raw milk. Like if that can't tell you that the like the state doesn't want you healthy, you know, and, and, and the news is telling you to be vegan, anytime the news or the government is telling you to do something, critically think about it and be like, If they're telling me to do this, that means I should be questioning it. Because, I don't know, this is my pessimism, but I just don't think they are for us. They are for the lining of their pockets, their wallets. Okay, so the most interesting part in my journey, I think, is that when I was vegan, I bloated every single day. Every single day when I was going to bed, I looked seven months pregnant. And I have pictures of this. And then I started incorporating animal meat and my bloating went away entirely. Entirely. In almost a full year of eating meat every day, I have had maybe one or two days where I was bloated. And that's not an exaggeration. All of my bloating went away when I started eating animal products. And I did so much healing to get to this point that I did a a year and a half of medical medium, and most of you guys probably know that. But now I'm questioning if that ever helped me because I felt I had way more bloating doing medical medium. I had more yeast infections. I had more UTIs. I had the shingle, a, a type of shingles virus pop up on my arm when I was doing medical medium. And at the time... I really thought it was all coming out to be detox and it was all getting out of my body. But now I just don't know. I don't know. And I don't really need to know, right? Like, I don't need to know everything. And the whys, all I know is that when I started eating animal products, my bloating completely went away. And then my skin itching I had for six years went away. And I don't know why. I, th- I think I passed parasites last year. And parasites can be the cause of skin itching. It could be that. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? So now I want to talk about the ego for a little bit. So I truly believe the ego latches on to veganism. You know, because it needs a, a set rules of black and white. If that's what's comfortable to you. But also... It is drilled into us that we need to be good at all times. We cannot be bad. We need to be good. 
and being vegan makes you so good. It makes you so morally superior. It makes you so empathetic to animals and the planet. And it's just this beacon of, I am so good. That is our human psychology. Is we need to be regarded as good and we need to be thought of by ourselves as good. In my opinion, this is what is driving veganism. Is the societal need to be good because look at the pandemic. You had to wear a mask to be good. You had to get a shot to be good. It is the backbone of our society. It is the backbone of our programming. Be good, be good, be good. But I also want to share with you the hilarious judgments of the ego. Okay, so the, our mind, our ego, always wants to be good and it always wants to be right. And it always needs to feel like morally superior than another person. That's just what the ego wants to feel. So no matter what you do, no matter how you live, it will judge another person that's different than you. So when I was vegan, I judged meat eaters as they don't care about the earth, they don't care about animals, and I especially judged spiritual people that still ate animals. I judged them as they are not spiritual. They're not spiritual enough if they still eat animals. So my ego was on a high horse of I am right, you guys are all wrong, and you need to be more like me. But what's hilarious is that now that I eat meat, my ego has the same judgments to vegans. It's doing a completely different behavior. It's doing the opposite behavior, but it's still judging people the same way. I'm right. I Now that I eat meat, I am right. And you vegans are wrong. And you need to be like me. You need to see the light like me. That's what my ego says. And I find it hilarious because it's proof that there is no right or wrong. The ego just needs to feel right. And that no matter how you shift and change and morph and change your mind, the ego will still judge the other, the person that's different than you. I think it's hilarious. But in the same breath, I do love that I lived that life and now I am living this other life with my belief system, with animals, that I do feel very neutral when I feel more neutral. I don't feel neutral because now I believe eating meat is right, but I feel more neutral. I am not as emotionally triggered as before because I have lived both sides now. So when someone's having a conversation about veganism or someone's having a conversation about the carnivore diet, I feel in my body not emotionally triggered And I feel more neutral. And I just think it's really cool. And it's because of my life experience that I've experienced both sides now. And I can see where both sides are coming from. And it just goes to show that the more life experience we have and the more that we change our mind, the more empathy and compassion and neutrality we can feel. If we never change, if we are set in our set way of religion and beliefs and we never change and we never experience anything we are so stuck in our ways and we judge way more deeply and way more harshly because we haven't known the other side 
So we can't see that other side with empathy and compassion. The last bit that I want to talk about is how I used to say that I felt so good being vegan. Oh, it breaks my heart because I just didn't know what it felt like to run off of adrenaline or cortisol, run off of your stress hormones because you're not eating enough. So when I was vegan, I did... I didn't have that many energy issues to begin with, okay? I never really have had problems with energy, but I would undereat because it's so hard to get all of your nutrients and the density required on a vegan diet. It's just hard because before I started eating meat, I was trying to eat 80 grams a day of protein being vegan, 80 grams a day which 100 grams is a little more ideal, but I was just like, I just need to try to get to 80 grams. Well, I never could succeed without a man-made amino acid powder to drink. And I think that's weird. That I, that I was drinking a protein shake, you know, eating chickpea noodles, which has protein in it, but it also has so many carbohydrates. And then I could never hit my 80 grams of protein goal in a day without man-made amino acid powder. Amino acids are the building blocks to protein. So you can either have an amino acid powder drink or a protein shake or eat a steak. You know, they're kind of all equal, but not in my opinion, because the amino acid powder is man-made. It's made in a lab. So I was hitting 80 grams of protein a day, but using, utilizing this man-made powder, which eventually that, that just got too uncomfortable with me. I was just like, this just doesn't even make sense that I have to rely on this man-made powder. It just doesn't make sense anymore. So that's why I really, really, really tried to eat, to, to hit the 80 grams of protein goal being vegan, but I couldn't. And then the biggest problem, in my opinion, with the vegan diet is the amount of carbohydrates you need to feel full. And carbohydrates will raise your blood sugar so high because that's what carbohydrates do. So if you care about regulating your hormones, your estrogen, your progesterone, your testosterone, your thyroid hormones you have to care about your blood sugar. Your hormone of insulin affects other hormones like thyroid hormones, like your sex hormones. So when I was vegan, I, w- I would wake up and I would have an oat banana pancake with peanut butter and maple syrup. That raised my blood sugar so high, it makes me cringe. I was starting my day with such high blood sugar which then would cascade and affect my other hormones. So my, my, my biggest criticism about the vegan diet is that you need an insane amount of carbohydrates to feel sustained, to feel full. And, and all of that extra blood sugar, that extra glucose, if, it's, if you're not working out, if you're not walking, if you're not active, it will be stored as fat. So that's why a lot of vegans 
they can't quite build a lot of muscle and they will store a little more fat because their their diets are so high in carbohydrates instead of fat or protein. So when I was vegan, I would say, oh, I just feel so good not eating much in the morning or just eating lighter. And what I did not know about myself is that I was undernourishing my body. And because my body was not properly fueled, the stress hormones of cortisol and adrenaline would kick in and I was running off of adrenaline. And I didn't even know because I didn't know what it felt like to be fully nourished by food and to be fully energized by food. So it breaks my heart that I would say I I feel so good eating light when really my body went into a stressed state and I was running off of adrenaline and I was running off of cortisol. I was running off of stress hormones, not food because I was not eating enough. I was undernourished, which then led me to wake up and have not great sleeps. I would always wake up in the middle of the night once or twice. And now I have learned that that is a blood sugar issue and not eating enough issue. Because my blood sugar was so erratic all day because of my high amount of carbs, my body would have to wake up in middle of the night to get more glucose because of my unstable highs and lows. I had no idea that the amount of times I'd wake up in the middle of the night And my inability to sleep throughout deep throughout the whole night was because I was not eating enough and I was not having a stable blood sugar because I was eating way too many carbs as a vegan. So now I can sleep through an entire night without waking up, not every night, but maybe four nights out of the whole week, I can sleep soundly the entire night through which is just crazy to me and it's because I eat four meals a day I eat at like 7 a.m 11 a.m 2 p.m then 7 p.m I eat four meals a day I eat around 2,000 calories a day I am fully fully nourished and I am eating for my blood sugar I am keeping my blood sugar stable at every meal I I eat carbs after my workout more so than before I work out. I time my carbs. I still eat carbs, but I time them with my workouts because you want to fuel your muscles after you work out, not before. And I eat my vegetable on my plate first, then my meat, then my carbs because this can decrease your blood sugar spike by 70% just by the order in which you eat your food on your plate. Eating your vegetable, which is fiber first, then your fat, protein, meat, and then your carbohydrate, whether it's rice, noodles, a fruit. Eating your meals in that order can completely change the game for your blood sugar levels, which can then help you sleep more soundly. It's crazy but this is my life experience I can sleep throughout the entire night now that I am fully nourished and that I have stabilized my blood sugar and now I know the feeling 
of running off of energy from my food and not adrenaline. It is a world of a difference. And I think this is a problem with a lot of women, a lot of mothers, is that they think they have a lot of energy, but they're actually running off of adrenaline. They're in a fight or flight state and they don't even know it. So the last bit I will discuss is basically kind of what I eat on a daily basis. Um, I wake up around 6 a.m. and I eat usually within an hour. It depends, but I do believe in eating within an hour of waking up. I do believe that sleeping is your natural fasting state. You don't need to fast beyond that. And also, the fasting research has not been done on women. It has been done on men. Men's hormones are completely different than women's, and so they actually can benefit from fasting. But women, it's a completely different story. And if you have anxiety or if you have hormone issues, in my opinion, you should not be fasting. You need to be eating way more. So I wake up, I eat within an hour. I usually eat pasture-raised eggs, turkey bacon, and grass-fed cheese, and sometimes with a slice of toast. I have been eating more sourdough, local sourdough bread. Because I am trying to heal my relationship with wheat, I do not believe wheat is an enemy. I believe it's what's sprayed on the wheat. It's the glyphosate. It's the Roundup. The poison sprayed on the wheat that then when we eat the wheat, we react to because it's not natural. But in the same breath, you know, a lot of grains aren't that nutrient dense. They don't have that much benefit for our body. But sourdough obviously has um, amazing probiotics from the fermentation. So I have been eating some wheat to reprogram my brain that wheat is not the enemy. But I am really into this sprouted spelt bread that I get at this health food store. Then I drink my one cup of coffee after breakfast. Right now, I am obsessed with putting my cup of coffee with a good big tablespoon of grass-fed butter into a blender. So it's just like a bulletproof without the MCT oil. Blending grass-fed butter and coffee is just divine. And I drink it so fast because it's that good. So that's my go-to right now. And then a few hours later, I make a smoothie. Right now, I'm into... I don't... I rotate a lot of what I do based on... I think it's intuition because I think the body is always wanting different things. And really, though, you can only, in my opinion, trust what your body is speaking to you if you're not addicted to man-made chemical food. Because the man-made chemical food is literally engineered to hijack your brain and make you addicted. So if you eat fast food or you eat packaged food, your body will tell you, I need more of that. Because it's literally engineered for you to do that, for you to be a customer for life. So I'm saying intuitive eating or just... It's so hard to call it intuitive eating because when the brain is hijacked by these, by these chemicals, you're, you think your body is saying, hey, I need, I need this, but <laughs> your brain is hijacked by these chemicals. So anyways, I do have a practice where I'm at the grocery store and I'm looking at 
I don't know, say ashwagandha and maca root and all these things on the aisle and I am gravitated towards one, I just buy it. And and I just kind of trust like, oh, my body might need something in that. And and I do do that sometimes. So right now I'm buying the Four Sigmatic protein powder, which has a lot of different mushrooms in it, just because I like that I'm getting a protein powder plus a bunch of mushrooms. So right now I'm using that, but I change that and rotate that a lot. And I do make my smoothies more green-based and berry-based than any other fruit. Because when I had my blood sugar monitor on, when I was putting coconut water and bananas in my smoothie, they were raising my blood sugar so high. So I've learned to... Berries can don't make your blood sugar spike. So I just put some berries in my smoothie with greens like kale or spinach or rainbow chard or something and some nuts and some avocado, um, psyllium husk, which is fiber, some barley grass juice extract sometimes. I, I change it up quite a bit. It's never constant, but I just throw in a bunch of stuff and it never really tastes good. I don't do it for the taste. I don't drink a smoothie for the taste. I drink it because it's so nutrient dense. So I eat that around 11 a.m. Then a lot of times my workout's at noon and then I come home and eat lunch around 1 or 2 p.m. And I have a meat and a vegetable and usually a carbohydrate after my workout, you know, like a potato or a noodle or something. And then we make dinner around 7 p.m. And I've noticed for myself that I do need to eat dinner just a little later. Like if I eat dinner at 5 p.m., I'm going to be starving by 9 p.m. No matter what I eat. So if I eat dinner at 5 p.m., I will have a snack, a good snack, you know, like an apple or a glass of raw milk um, around 8 p.m. So that I feel really full and satisfied when I go to bed. And then I probably won't wake up in the middle of the night because of that snack. And almost all of our meals are just one ingredient foods. Like it's like a steak with sweet potato fries and broccoli. There's no ingredients in any of these foods. It, to me, it's just so simple and so easy. Like cooking does not have to be complicated. And right now I am trying to take less supplements and, and I'm trying to get most of all of my vitamins and minerals from my food because the whole point of eating is to eat nutrients for your body, is to eat minerals for your body. That's the whole point of eating. So I'm trying to get, you know, most of my nutrients and minerals from my food, but um, I do have like cod liver oil. I have organ supplements now. Um, I do take lion's mane sometimes, ashwagandha. There's things... So I'm trying to use herbs more so because they're from nature and organ meats more so because they're from nature. So I feel like everything is just more simplified now. If it's from nature, my body will probably handle it well and assimilate it and digest it well versus anything man-made. So to close this episode up, I hope you gained something from it. My intention to do this is just to share my story um, because I feel like a lot of women might relate to it 
especially the under eating, the undernourishing, running on stress hormones. And we just don't feel that good when we do that. And I think it's so interesting that for me to heal, you know, everyone's healing story is so unique and different. There's no two stories that are the same. But for me to heal, I had to add food. I had to add nutrients. I had to add animal products. It wasn't about subtracting. It wasn't about eliminating. For me, it was about adding. And I just find that super fascinating 